Hey everybody, welcome to A Lot of Things. I'm your host, Carl Sudeau. This is the talk show about everything. And we have comedy on the menu today. And we have very funny people with me. We have Lisa Wallen. Hi. Hey. Hey. And Sam Domboski. Hello. How are you doing? Why did you guys get really quiet all of a sudden? Because you said our names correctly. Oh. We're so proud. This is my professional voice. Oh, this is actually how it's going to go the whole time? No, no. (laughs) Okay. I just know that I'm very loud. Oh, yeah, I am too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Are you? It's because we all do comedy-ish things. Yes. Things I say matter. They must be louder. (laughs) We're going to get to that. It's my theater background. (laughs) Listen, I'm trying to go to the back of the room. (laughs) Steve, can you hear us? Play to the back of the room. Hey, you know what? Don't, because it's pretty small here. Uh, Lisa, let's start with you. Let's talk about stand-up comedy for a second. How'd you get started in stand-up? Well, I'm funny. No. Oh, <laughs> podcast uh, over. I started it about five years ago. I was just writing a bunch of dumb shit on Facebook, and someone's like, have you ever tried about doing stand-up? I was like... Probably not. But then I saw online, like, there was, like, take a stand-up comedy class. And it was, like, $100. And I was, like, fuck it, I'll do it. And I did this class. And literally, you show up the first day and they go, this isn't a class. You're going to go on stage in, like, four weeks. So we're just going to practice material. I was, like, oh, so this is just pressure. That's $100. (laughs) I just paid myself $100, basically, so that I could go, whatever. So I did it, and then I liked it, and then I kept going, and now uh, here we are, five years later. Doing a podcast. Still doing it. I'm just kidding. Yeah, still doing a podcast. Yep. Unpaid. Hitting um, the hard time. <laughs> no, hey, well, we'll talk about that after the, the show. <laughs> would, would you say the $100, though, was more of a kind of like lighting a fire under your butt and going like, kind of. hey, it was do some like, comedy. You know, you invest in something. So I yeah. guess I invested in a comedy career, in quote, but... Now I'm doing it pretty regularly. I probably have shows like three or four nights a week now. Yeah. Pretty pretty sweet. And you have to do that, right? You have to just keep doing it. I don't have to. I mean, I took Mm. a year off, but that was more for like personal reasons. And I had a lot going on in this last year. And then when I came back, I was like, oh, it's going to suck. I'm like, I have to start over again. And I kind of realized like, this isn't really much of a challenging thing once you're used to it. Like, I was like, oh, I was... I just have to tell my old jokes and get used to my uh, timing. Okay. So, and the good thing about comedy is it's not like, you know, like sports where you can only play for so long and then your body craps out. Like comedy, you can do forever. Oh, yeah. So, Don Rickles, yeah. everybody. Yeah, it's just not like ballet yeah. where you're out at <laughs> Right, exactly. Like your and, ankles and, give. And there's so much pressure people put on you. Like, oh, like, uh, like are you going to try touring, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, look at every big comedian. Like, they were performing for, like, 15, 20 years before they made it. So, right. like, I like having something like comedy where I don't have to feel pressure to, like, just be the best because that puts you in a bad place mentally, of course. But I love it. And now I'm, you know, venturing out and doing other things like podcasts and yeah, I was going to ask you, that kind of leads things. me to a question, <laughs> <laughs> is do you, do you feel like compelled to do it though? And, and we'll, we'll jump back and forth to Sam as well, um, but because I want to hear how you got started. But for me, I feel compelled to, to create things, and if I don't, I feel sick and like I'm not like helping beat down the evil in the world. Like I feel like I have to do something and put something out there that's positive and weird and funny and whatever, or in quotes funny. But that's so I feel compelled. Do you feel that same thing or do you I feel like compelled to constantly be creative in a way? Not as much stand up, which is why I'm like doing stand up every night is exhausting and it's depressing. Yeah. It's just like, oh, it's the same thing all the time. Uh so like having podcasts and like, you know, writing scripts, anything like even like Twitch streaming, stuff like that. Having a creative outlet, I think, has just helped. Like, I was going crazy, like, not doing comedy, but I also was not wanting to come back yet. And so it was just like, I need to get this energy in my head out. So yeah, that's when I started doing, like, podcasts and stuff. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I totally know what you mean. I was, I was saying more, like, stand-up comedy itself. Like, too many people put pressure on themselves once they start doing it because they get those creative juices flowing. And I try to step back from getting myself into that mindset because then you end up taking a year off. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, <laughs> Which you did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Sam, it helped. <laughs> Sam, what about you? How did you get started in doing just comedy in general? You do a bunch of things. Yeah. I started doing improv where I think a lot of people start, which is in college. Um, and I actually wouldn't have done it unless um, it was like orientation weekend time. 
and during the Saturday, the two choices were there was an improv show going on or a boat cruise. <laughs> what? I was like, I was like, I'm not getting stuck on a boat with a bunch of freshmen at a Catholic college. <laughs> so I went and saw the improv show and was like, perfect, this is what I'm going to do. Good choice. Um, <laughs> so that was that was 2005. That was a Whoa. long time ago. Um, so I did that for those four years and then ended up kind of taking a few years off when I moved out here and then eventually got back together with people that I had done improv in college with who all lived out here. Um, and then like 2013, we started up a group and then it's just kind of expanded from there. Like each project I do leads to working with other people and doing different shows. Um, I picked up doing sketch comedy, I guess three-ish years ago So not now. too long ago, actually. Yeah, sketch is relatively new and okay. that actually grew out of um, the group I was in not wanting to give up on the stuff that we were doing like in practices. You're like, it's funny. Yeah, in our improv practices, we're like, I like this character. Let's not get rid of it. And so yeah. we would end up <laughs> writing sketches for it. And then um, a lot of our early stuff came out of uh, improv that we were doing. Um, one, of my, one of my favorite bits actually started off, it was a show of five Owen Wilsons doing oh, an improv show. I like it. Um, and then I wrote the sketch version of five Owen Wilsons trying to write a sketch show. <laughs> and eventually I'll do the stand-up version where it's just a million Owen Wilsons, like everyone I possibly know who could everyone do an Owen Wilson impression. Wow. <laughs> That's yeah. a decent amount of it, but we I just really want like a, a stream of people, a stream of <laughs> Owen Wilsons coming out and like telling a joke. And then all the other Owen Wilsons are like, oh, wow, that was so good. You're really great at that. And then the next one comes out, and That's then it just, it just goes forever. So I've been, I've been doing this stuff for a while. And I, Okay, so my favorite thing that you do is improv. I haven't seen enough of your sketch stuff. I've seen some of it, I think. But yeah. the improv stuff, you baffle me. Like, I don't understand how it works. And before this shows over, we're going to try a little bit. Because um, mm -hmm. I need to learn from you. I really think that you have monster skills and we did some for a half a second together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, I've got to go. I, I should leave. Because th that's what improv is. And I'm an idiot. But yeah, I just felt so underpowered. And I feel like there's so many tools you have to have to do improv. It's I mean, a you lot just. Of on the spot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you learn. I mean, I know lots of people who put a lot of money into classes and they just keep taking classes. And they keep taking classes. And, like, I've never taken a class. Like, I'm firmly behind. I mean, I see that they can be useful, and I'll, like, infrequently take workshops about specific skill sets. But I'm like, you just have to do it. You have to do and it. And I distinctly remember the point, like, while doing it in college, where it was, like, the concept to me made no sense how you <laughs> could possibly do it until the moment it did. And then I was like, oh, okay. What that's if their improv works. classes are, we're going to make you go on stage in four weeks. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Give us $100. They give you like eight weeks. <laughs> yeah, and right. it's like 400 <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's they give them numbers, like real schools. Oh, gosh. That's it's, crazy. It's so crazy. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, they're obviously, we just mentioned three distinct things, sketch, stand-up, and improv, and they yeah. all have their own kind of worlds. I did a show here, actually, um, and that was pretty crazy evening. I'll try to find the video and put it in the show notes. Uh, but it was comedy sketch and improv all on the same show. Mm -hmm. Now, do we think that those can exist together? Because I feel like they are so distinct. Are they distinct audiences? You know, like if someone wants to watch stand-up, do they not want to watch improv? Or can they cross? I have found really that most people who aren't like already in sort of the improv comedy scene just don't know what improv is. And they just want to see something funny yeah That's if you tell it. if you tell people you do improv they'll be like oh like stand up i'm like oh. no like whose line is it anyway yeah that's yeah. the one yeah. example i have to go to yeah. is that um i mean i find i also i don't do a ton with like the established improv theaters so i couldn't comment too much on what their audiences are like i do all sort of the indie improv scene pretty much um so between like improv and sketch, I see a ton of overlap because it's a lot of the yeah, same that does seem right. people because mm -hmm. the skill sets kind of match up well. Um, and then stand up to me, it's like a whole other foreign stand -up thing. Stand up is a lot different. Like I don't see a lot. I see some sketch people start doing stand up comedy, but I never see mm -hmm. improv people. 
Mm. And it's different. Like they're both, you're both under pressure to act out. But like me, I like write my sets, you know? So yep. it's like, I just have to make sure I don't screw up or get heckled. And you were like, you got to just have that come up on the spot type of thing, which makes it to me, no offense to doing comedy my last five years, more entertaining <laughs> because you see a realism in somebody that you wouldn't see in comedian. Like a comedian can have a personality on stage. Oh, interesting. Versus yeah. like improv, it's like you you have to use your own experience and your own personality into everything, even if it's something you're not used to. Like telling a rap joke or rap music, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, I think that's improv is great because you can. There's like literally nothing that you can't do. In the context of an improv scene, right? You can aliens, be and do everything. The president yeah, yeah, yeah. doesn't matter what it is. It's just everything can happen at once. Unless you're Michael Scott, he's just boom, Agent Michael Scott. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> you can't he's just the shoot everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, no, I was going to say that like, it's interesting with stand up because I'm 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 doing it as well, and I'm I get frustrated with it sometimes because it does feel like the audience wants a specific thing from you with stand up. Mm -hmm. When I've done sketch, I have had the best time of my life. Weirdly enough, it hasn't transitioned over to improv. I don't feel like I'm an improv person. I feel like I don't, again, don't have those tools and I feel a little naked on stage. Mm -hmm. When we're doing a sketch, if we all come up with a sketch together right now and we made one and there's a ton of people here and we just did it for them, I would feel totally comfortable because I was like, I'm the disc guy who talks like this and I know that I'm supposed to do this thing to you and this over here and <laughs> that. Yeah, that's my character. Uh, I would feel no fear in that, right? But yeah. in stand-up, I go, you hit that wall of silence that wall that hits you yeah. and it goes like, okay, what's up, bitch? Say something like that's going to go and resonate and we're all going to chuckle. That's definitely right? a huge difference between improv and comedy too is that improv, you get all the personality on stage. Mine is the audience because what if the audience doesn't like my anime jokes? What if they're there for something more raunchy, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. and most people going to improv show, they don't know what to expect, but they know they're going to see improv. Same thing with sketch. But right. comedy, it's like, I just want to see somebody tell some dick jokes tonight, and then it's just me like, my arms are long. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite things you say. I just, you're just being realistic, though. You're like, I got arm long arms. Uh, and they're just like, that I want to talk about Gumby tonight, okay? I want yeah. them to see you talk about your vagina. Like, that's, you get those different audience members. Like, yeah. Yeah. I've definitely been booked on shows I should have not been on. Like, I was like, have you? Right, but see, that's the audience. Yeah. Then it's like, it's less about what you prepared. Yeah. And yet, even though improv is like less prepared, it still feels like people are more open to be like, oh, well, what we see what we see. Well, that, I mean, that's the big thing you can get away with. Is people, <laughs> yeah, you're going into it saying, we didn't prepare anything beforehand. Yeah. So, just us. Yeah, yeah. Stand-up <laughs> stand is hard. I've only done it like two and a half times. Um, but That's more than a half? lot of people. Wait, Any? you said half? What's the half? <laughs> she left, left the stage real quick. Uh, sorry, I'm out of here, guys. <laughs> no, it was like, because I also do like sort of semi-storytelling. I've actually got one solo thing I'm going to do again probably in October. That's like a mash of stand-up storytelling sketch improv like mm. it's got a little bit of all of them um but stand up anything where you're talking like directly to an audience and like responding to what they give back to you like you have that in improv but you're not necessarily acknowledging it it's like you're taking the feedback and using it like turning it into energy and kind of inspiration for where you're going to go next but you don't have to acknowledge them at all. Also, you're not if you're, like, solo. In a scene. <laughs> Usually. Sometimes. Sometimes. I've yeah. done solo improv and yeah. that's terrifying. Yeah. But uh yeah, most often you're at least working with somebody else. And it's like if if the audience isn't totally into it, you can at least like sort things out without acknowledging right. them while you like get yourselves back on track. <laughs> but stand up is very much like stand up. Please is like, give me go. Back please give it to me. Eight yeah. minutes left. I made this just for you. Oh. Please like it. I was gonna say I have a quick horror story about eight minutes left uh, and the time on stand up because that freaks me out still. So like it's timed. You're like okay, you got to get out at some point. Um, I'll do my horror story real quick, and then we'll go through horror stories for you, too. Um, mine was, yeah, the light was, I was told that I had, like, 10 minutes or something. And the light went early. And when you do stand-up, you have a plan. <laughs> Here's my, my joke. It's not over yet. So what do you do? I see the light going on, and I go, yeah, but I'm really new at this. 
and I need to do these words or I don't have a joke. Did you say that out loud? <laughs> no, no, that was my head. <laughs> I should have said that, that out loud. Be, yeah, that, but you should have said that out loud. No, I knew it. Listen, I'm new with this, guys. I have to do my words out loud. If oh, my a... goodness. That's so much better. <laughs> Why didn't I do that? Please, please turn please, the light back please off. Please, love me. I, love love me. St- I, I feel more comfortable now. I just want to be funny for That's a what I love about stand-up, though, is that if you do bomb or stumble, like... Some people try to pretend that they don't, but it's so much funnier when you address it. Yes. Like, so many people won't address, and I'm like, and then you just lose track. You're like, wait, did they not notice that they're doing bad? Right. Versus but you just have being to like, this is going great. <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, you're like, don't worry. I noticed. <laughs> don't worry. I'm a comedian. <laughs> yeah. And these are don't jokes. Don't say anymore. And they're yeah. like, what did, what did she notice? What was it? Oh, no. Yeah. I saw. Oh, no. I saw it. I heard. Yeah, I know. Like, there's, there. I was going to say real quick, there's, like, a time, like, where somebody will go on stage, and I actually have a joke for this, where you'll be like, I'm single, and usually the audience, like, woos, yeah. you know, or they would be like, woo, yeah. I did that, no one said anything. I was <laughs> like, yeah, you guys are like, that makes sense. Um, oh, so I just went on the next one. So and I think it was just, in general, they were all much older than me, and, like, they're not going to woo, you know, this fucking nerdy girl on stage but like i addressed it because i knew that oh i didn't get a reaction well i can't do that joke so i'm gonna go to the next yeah. you know so and that is such the like exact opposite of what you do in, in improv, improv. Yeah. like improv you never even if it is not going great you like never step back and out of it and like right. no you're yes in and. character yes and yeah because you're very much like if you step back, you're like, well, this is shitty. You're just destroying any momentum you right. might Unless your character gotten. is being a bombed comedian. <laughs> That's a very specific <laughs> moment yeah. in an improv sketch. Um, I've actually seen, well, I guess it was actually sketch. One of my friends does a beautiful sketch, which I think he might actually be doing at a show coming up um, before he moves to L.A., where he does stand up as the dude who created Family Circus. Oh gosh! How so specific. All of the jokes are really awful because that guy's not funny at all. It's just like a dad trying to do comedy. Yeah, yeah. Like and he, it's just, so he just got out of divorce. <laughs> it's so perfect because <laughs> the jokes are so bad. It's just, it's just beautifully written. Well, You're like, I love this, even though everything happening is just the stupidest <laughs> joke anyone could have ever written. Um, speaking of bad jokes, kind of. Uh, let's talk about times where things didn't go well on stage. Lisa, do you want to start? Well, that happens pretty often. Oh, I'm okay. just kidding. You're like, it was just the last show. I actually, the biggest show I did was the worst show I did. Um, Ooh. Last year, I got to open for Arsenio Hall. What? Ooh, the Brown. Arsenio Hall? No, the other, no, the other Arsenio one. Hall. <laughs> the opposite. Of, no, that's the white version. Arsenic John Arsenic walkway. It was, it was. And they were like, he specifically requested like a female host. And you're the only one we have. And I was like, have you not seen me do comedy? And have you not seen the people who come to Arsenio Hall shows? And like, you think a black TV audience is going to like my Zelda jokes? (laughs) All right, we'll see what I can do. Um, And so I was like, well, which is fine. I can do 10 minutes. Like, I have pretty relatable material. I can take out the niche stuff, right? I show up and they say, by the way, we don't have a feature. So you're going to be hosting and featuring. So you're going to do 30 minutes. They tell me this 10 minutes before I go on stage. And so not only did I have to say, hey, welcome to the show tonight. Please turn off your phones, blah, blah, blah. Here are the drink specials. I immediately had to go into 25 minutes of material, which doesn't matter that he had a TV audience. Nobody wants to see that. Mm -mm. And besides, an Arsenio Hall is not like a typical stand-up comedian where people come out to watch him do comedy. They all knew him from his show or from like the three movies he did, so they don't know how to be and what to expect. So about 15 minutes into my set, nobody was paying attention. They still made me keep going. So Damn, that's not good. The last day was awesome because by the time I went up, everyone was like, fucked up because they all came back from like a Mariners game or something or a Seahawks game. So everyone was just like, yeah, you're fucking funny. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but <laughs> for the first two nights, I'm like, why the fuck am I here? Like, it, yeah. and of course, like he was not, he didn't come out and like encourage me or anything. Like he didn't say, oh, by the way, you should do this because, you know, he's too famous. He What's shook, he even he doing my, though? He was, he did a great set, but mine was just like, 
15 minutes go by. Okay, and tonight our drink specials include a Mai oh, Tai. Yeah. In case you didn't hear them the Bellevue first Mai Tai, <laughs> $17 well drinks tonight, guys. It's going to be a beer and a shot for $30. And it's then a different <laughs> mindset, right? You like go into that mindset of like, oh, I'm hosting and I'm kind of keeping things going. And then the other mindset is like, okay, I'm not going to be funny now. I can insult par- Parlor now that they're shut down, but they've this isn't the first time they've done that. They also had me open up for an Indian comedian, and halfway through the show I had to do like a toast. Indians don't drink. So I just went on stage, was like, cheers, oh, nice. and everyone just sat there. I was like, okay, just for me then. <laughs> just for me then. I did oh, say uh, I did say couldn't tell if I was in a comedy show or a Microsoft corporate meeting. They all like that joke, <laughs> but yeah, I was just like, you guys have no idea how to. You're just you're just white dudes with a ton of money, and you're like, let's just start a comedy club. Like they oh, have, right. they and they're gone now. Oh yeah, yeah. Because the guy like cheated on his wife, who was like the building owner's daughter. Oh, it's know. a whole story. It's a whole story. We Actually, can talk about it because I don't give a <laughs> shit. So, <laughs> wait, is this the one in Bellevue? That's yeah. Because I know yeah. for a hot minute yeah. they tried to have one downtown, and that yeah, they quickly. put a parlor next to Westlake Center. Like, who is gonna go out at no night and be one. like, let's get fucked up on Pike Street in downtown Seattle? Like, yeah, no, nobody. Yeah, and it's like. But that's what happens when you have money and not know what you're doing with it. So, <laughs> Sam, how about you for horror <laughs> stories? Okay, so I knew this. Was, I knew this was going to be a topic, and I have been trying to think so hard. It's just that one of my the skills I've developed is that I accept going into any show that it there's a very good chance I'm going to look like an asshole at some point, mm. which is like how you work through it. So I can think of times when like things didn't go the way I wanted them to necessarily, but none of them feel like horror Awful. stories. Okay. Yeah. I'll watch other people and be like, Hoo, oh boy, mm. stop it. <laughs> the whole Rodney Dangerfield bit. Um, but I guess the only stuff that really gets me is like when the material itself is like so horribly offensive and the train goes off the tracks if it's just people sort of being bad it's like well you'll get it one day yeah that's interesting i can see that with you because when i watch you on stage i go like oh yeah she doesn't care in a good way like you're just i mean there's still the panic beforehand and inside but it's like yeah when you're making it up like there's a very good chance something isn't gonna land and then i actually think it makes it easier for material to land because mm-hmm. the best thing to watch is anyone who's enjoying what they're doing. So if you go into it being like, I like doing this, and even right. if it goes bad, like we can always turn it around, then I think people are automatically more on your side. I think that's literally why I like both of you. Because I, the stuff I watch... Because the more we perform, the more we die inside. Yes. So it's just we're, we're just <laughs> dead. Well. We're, just, we're living on the, on the edge. Living the, on the, the edge. Sorry. What is that? Who is that? Bon Jovi? Aerosmith? Um, are you thinking of living on a prayer? Living on the edge. <laughs> what is that now? I'll have to know what that is. If we had the in- internet, we could t- find out. What I meant by that was... The internet doesn't exist in this room. Uh, it doesn't. No. Um, it's all an illusion. When I watch both of you on stage, you both have that thing of like, yeah, I'm just going to do this thing. And if you're laughing, that's cool, but that's cool. And I, I, that's, it's, part of it is a little bit of experience, right? Like just doing it a bunch, you mm-hmm. start feeling that way. I've done hosted shows for gazillions of, gazillions of shows, and each one, it just gets stronger and stronger of this idea of like, okay, whatever happens, it's going to be fine. Yeah. And I, I think that... If you want to start doing comedy, just realize no one in the audience hates you more than you hate yourself. That's good advice. Okay, right there. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's especially with improv. Like, yeah. Stand-up is something people will wander <laughs> into and be judgmental about, but like, no one takes the time to go to an improv show to be like, this wasn't planned very well. Right. Like, it's in the thing. They've accepted already that, like, this is hard. Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. I do like it when people it. come up to my show instead of saying you're funny, they go, oh, you're so brave. <laughs> you just got up there and just talked and yeah like good, what good for you. <laughs> you're just so brave for what you did i'm like why was it bad is there a risk to what i did that's when you stop you stare him dead in the eye and you Thank say i'm you. not brave you're a coward uh, yeah <laughs> you should be up here i was like yeah you should venmo me a dollar it is it, it is funny because i every time i've said i've done something on stage in general people are like 
whoa, you know, like it's it seems like not everybody can. You're like, please do don't feed my ego. <laughs> <laughs> it's too big. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wait, I don't say that. Do you say that? <laughs> I do. Okay. Like that's the whole reason why I go on stage in the first place is that everything I say is so important that everyone I don't know needs to listen to it. And then people are like, you're so funny. I was like, I know. And then they were like, tonight you kind of bombed. I was like, I know. I know. <laughs> Stop. You've already paid me. It's fine. <laughs> it was worth the $15 in the 50-minute drive. Um. <laughs> I have a question about stand-up. Uh, so we kind of j- jumped around this topic a little bit. But like, for me, I, I find it frustrating, personally. Um, I'm supposed to do a horror story. I'll tell you in a minute after this. Uh, the the uh, the frustration of stand-up specifically and maybe Lisa you can talk to this but where people really seem to always still want a punchline like you can have an alternative comic you can have do different types of things and different material but I have a lot of stories and I think you've done story stuff on stage yeah, lots, yeah. and I just feel like even in the story realm or in the in the stuff I do a lot of crowd work stuff and I love just people being there and talking with them I still feel like if it's stand-up, it needs the punchline. Am I wrong? It just needs a climax. It doesn't even need to be a punch. Like, the story itself can be funny, and then it can just end, as long as you kept people entertained. They just need some kind of point in the story where there's, like, a big climax. A big moment. Yeah, a big in moment. The story. Yeah. Punchlines, I feel like there's too many comedians that focus on punchlines, which obviously is a really stupid thing to say. But I meant even no. in real life, uh-huh. like they'll try too hard to write a joke. Like there's right. people I know that stay up all night writing or they'll go on stage. And if something's not working out, instead of trying something new, they'll just still be like, I got to say this punchline. It's like, yeah, but you're already losing people like might as well move on to the next thing. But yeah, like I feel like people take the whole you know, like the Twitter thing, like you have to tweet something funny. Oh, if, yeah. And I love using Twitter drafts because it gives you like a small amount of characters. And I tell myself, if I can write this in those characters, then it's a good punchline. But if I'm telling a story, I have to be engaging the whole time. And if you're engaging the whole time, I don't care how the story ends. I'll just remember what was ever funny about it. Right. But, y- but yeah. like you said, there has to be kind of like highs and lows within that story. Oh, yeah. And you think it needs to end near the high then is what you're saying? I have a a story that I close out with about how my sister's a picky eater and like I'll go through like a whole spiel of her ordering too fast and be like and I want my bacon like kind of crispy but also kind of fatty but not too much fat on it and blah 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 and like the story part is funny but there's no climax in the joke right like it's just the ordering part's funny Okay. And then I'd be like, and then I left her at Denny's. Like, that was the right, end right, of like, right. that. There but you see, go. that's like, kind of a punchline. <laughs> that's <laughs> what I'm talking about. That's still like, kind of a punchline. Yeah, like, I have, like, a kind of a punchline. But that, the whole point that was funny was the build-up. The build-up, yeah. yeah. So it's almost like the, it, the punchline is that final statement. It's like, yeah. and what I just told you, this is kind of wrapping it yeah. up. I think what people want is, like, proof of preparation. They want some mm. sort of, like framework that makes it sound like you laid it out beforehand so you yeah, it's yeah so good. it's like it, or authentic too yeah if yeah. the story builds and is engaging it I'm gives notes it, <laughs> it gives that feeling of like you actually put thought into this and like curated this material and i think a punchline serves the same purpose because like that's something you had to plan interesting nick Swartzen like had a really good joke about that and was like very first special from like 15 years ago where he's like, you ever tell a story and then you realize you're just like losing the person, so you have to like make up something? He'd be like, yeah, man, like last night this drunk dude walked up and he was like, do you know where the bathroom is? And I was like, no. And then, you know, he was just getting so drunk, so I fucking stabbed him. Like that (laughs) was how, because he was just like, (laughs) which I'm like, as, mun- as much as that's a joke, it actually kind of works that way. Like, if yeah. you're killing off a story and you have no punchline, you could just end it like how I did. I left her ass at Denny's. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I didn't actually live my sister at Denny's, yeah. but the audience is Ooh, Which brings up another point about yeah. telling the truth during comedy. Yeah. Like, improv, obviously, okay, we just met an alien and it's crazy yeah. town. I mean, you can do, like, truth-based stuff, which is interesting if you actually try it and it is something where it's just like relating personal experiences but yeah most of the time no one is demanding that of you right if you're like 
stand-up kind of has the same problem as poetry. If yeah, if you go to improv and you're expecting truth, I'm like, you're not expecting improv then. You're not supposed. You're going to the wrong show. Was probably. this woman really a frog at one point in her life? <laughs> I don't believe it. The closest <laughs> I've gotten to truth in improv is a show that was supposed to be like mumblecore, and it was just <laughs> 25 minutes of us, like the three of us, sitting in a fake diner just talking. But even then, the characters were so exaggerated. But that's the closest to yeah, truth that I've gotten. Situation. Actually, the most honest part of the whole thing was that we went to the diner that we always go to down the street. And we were like, hey, can we borrow some of your menus? <laughs> You're like, that's a real menu. Yeah. yeah like, this is an authentic like, menu. That's it's like we're really at North Star. Because you write stuff, like you said, being authentic. You write stuff about your life. And that's the stuff that... When I, when I watch performers in any way, if it's authentic, if I feel like I believe them, that's what people want, right? They want to say, yes, there's preparation, but also I believe in what this person's saying. It's not just bullshit. But there is some stand-up comics who just do a character, you know? And I feel like that's less now. I think we're in this other era of, like, just be yourself. No no more prop comics No, no days. more props. No carrot, <laughs> no ha- carrot, carrot top, pops. get out of here. <laughs> By the way, he always he's like the main person. Dimitri Martin does. does prop stuff. Oh, too, he does, but, but he's he so can keep funny. doing it. Yeah. He's funny. He as does shit. powerpoints, which is so funny. And and just <laughs> drawing. It's like watching and stuff. a third grade teacher do stand up. He is so good. But yeah, I just think that we're in an era right now of like doing just super honest stuff. I think across a lot of different art forms. I think people. I think the problem with comedy now is that everybody wants to do it. And I'm not trying to be a gatekeeper of comedy whatsoever. Like, I say, do it if you think you're funny. But just because you, like, know something edgy or borderline racist offensive doesn't make it funny. And that's a big thing now is people are trying so hard to, like, do shock value. Like, oh, these SJWs are so offensive these days and blah, blah, blah. So they'll purposely do, like, an edgy joke. And I'd be like, and then they'll, if you don't laugh, they'll be like, you're just offended. You're just sensitive. No, you're just not funny. Well, (laughs) I mean. That's just how it goes. They'll get weeded weeded out, though. Like, that, I feel like, doesn't have longevity. No, because we also have cancel culture now that takes care of that. Wait, what is that? That's where people get canceled for being offensive. Or, you know, like the. Oh, we got to, can we reboot? Like life for real quick, <laughs> like all of the life. I didn't want to get I there. I don't want to work through all, all of that the shit life. over again. I, I don't mean like. I haven't been canceled yet. I don't think. I mean like a reset. Never mind. <laughs> Let me uh, pivot. This is all cut now. Uh, <laughs> well, it's all my good stuff. No, no. I mean not the whole thing. Um, let me switch to a thing I was gonna say earlier, which was oh, I need to tell my horror story. I'll tell my horror story real quick, and then uh, and then we'll go talk about process real quick. So. Yeah, my horror story was not really a horror story. I think it came, it came out as a success, but it started as a horror story. I was in L.A., and I was at this little teeny place. Are you humble place. bragging right now? Yeah, maybe <laughs> I need to not do this story. I just realized. I was overseas. Listen, um, I was My like, greatest weakness <laughs> is that I care too much. Okay, now maybe I should change the story. I have a lot of bad stories. Well, no, d- do do the same story. Just take all the hope and positivity out. Okay, I will. I will. I will. You I did will. ask what my go. worst stage time was. I was like, I opened for Arsenio Hall, and it was I know, just that's the true worst. Too. That's <laughs> and true I was too. like, I oh, can't wait, wait. think of anything. <laughs> okay, wait. So I'm I'm on par with all of us. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Come on. Listen, I opened for Arsenio. I'm not even bad at all. All right, so mine. Okay. So I was in LA, and there was a teeny little club. I always forget the name of it, but it's like a c- club for like comedians to go and just work stuff out with themselves. There's this old-timey guy there. You know, he talks like this, and he's seen everything. And I just randomly walked by. Was it Columbo? Yeah, it was Columbo. And he was, yes, and. And uh, Columbo's <laughs> club in L.A. You might have been there before. And he uh, was like, Carlos, come in. Anyways, I'll stop that character. I love that character. His name is Artie. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> so I go there, and, uh, and I wasn't any, I had nothing. But I just had a general idea of like some stuff I was going to talk about being in L.A. Just a couple ideas, right? But not true anything material. But I just felt brave that night. We all feel like, okay, I'm just going to fucking, we'll just do something tonight. We'll do it. So I get up, I get there and put my name on the list. And there's like seven people in there. And one person goes up. And I'm like, oh, these people are like my level. You know, like they don't have much. Just kind of just trying to shit off out. And all of a sudden, Damon Wayne Jr. shows up. And I don't know if it's Damon Wayans Jr. Jr. There's like a lot of Wayans, but it's one of them. <laughs> and I was like, what the, that's, no. Like, no. I was feeling confident for a minute, you know? So he goes up and murders. 
Like, there's only six people in the room, and he murders the whole fucking six people. And then you don't even have an audience. And there was no audience. Mm -hmm. Yes, and. And then Columbo showed up. Guys, what's going on here? Everybody's dead. That's the YouTube clip. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, no, but, so he he destroys, and then I was lucky he had one more person after him. You know what I mean? So I didn't just go right after him. The person after him was probably a really good comedian and, like, did okay. But not not any, like, laughs. Just kind of, like, chuckles Mm -hmm. here and there. And then I went up and I was like, oh, I'm going to just eat shit, you know? So I ate shit. And I had five minutes, and I ate shit for like three and a half minutes. And then I won him back at the end, which is the humble brag part, where I did some stuff about Airbnb because I was staying in Airbnb, and there's like mice in the walls. And I was like, don't you hate it when there's mice in the walls? I don't know what I said. <laughs> and uh, they were <laughs> like, Jerry I, hope it, yeah. I hope it was that verbatim. <laughs> don't you hate it when there's mice in the <laughs> it walls? It might have been, and that's why I got the laughs. <laughs> I like how the idea of it just going like L.A. talk, like, yeah, it rains here, or it doesn't rain here ever, blah, blah, blah. Don't you hate it when there's mites in the walls? It was a pivot like that. I got some laughs, and I got off stage, and the guy goes, listen, kid, back to Columbo. And he goes, listen, um, uh, you know, your presence is great. You got great stage presence, all right? Just write some jokes. <laughs> so I think that was a good thing, right? So that's a humble yeah. break part of it. But also, I didn't have fucking shit, you know? But I also went after Damon Wayne Jr., and I didn't, like... When Die. I first heard comedy, I just sounded very snobby because I'm, you know, I'm a girl. But when I started, I was like, oh, I work at a grocery store. Like, it, it sounded like a whiny soccer mom. Okay. And someone was like, your jokes don't match your persona, by the way. Why? He goes, well, your jokes are very, like, they're very clean. They're very, like, quirky. But your personality is like a racist white woman. And I was <laughs> like, fuck. So I had to, like, train my voice to be, like, more deeper. Because when you're nervous, you, you don't realize, like, the type of things you do. Like, you, right. um, you like, touch your hair. Mine, you do different things. Mine right. was a sound like a white soccer mom, apparently. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> Sammy, have you done that stuff when you're nervous? Like, change your... I... I do have like the higher voice because I also because um, I worked like actual in store retail for a while and even now when I have to deal with other people it's like hi this is my work it's voice the, it's the it's the retail voice yeah Maybe and that's also all it is. I yeah. get the shakes really bad before anything oh yeah, yeah, yeah so luckily pretty much nothing I do involves handheld microphones <laughs> but whenever it does I'm like oh no I'm gonna look <laughs> like a maniac yeah yeah. yeah. Oh, but you, uh, I, I always get that nervous, nervous energy for anything, mm-hmm. uh, but it, I, it, I always convert it. You know, like energy converts into something, and I feel like I use it on stage. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's everybody who does stage stuff. Yeah. Yeah, all my energy went to my voice, but nice. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> and it went up. <laughs> Tuning it up and on. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I think uh, you can just be on the phone with like customer service, and I feel like our voices go up. Yeah. Oh, no, I'll hold. Hi. Because my my normal speaking voice sounds mean all the time. So I I have times (laughs) where, like, I have to correct someone on something that they've done, and, like, I need them to do it differently for later. And I'm like, I don't know how to say this without... (laughs) Like this, this, this Listen, correction, this correction this is, nice. is so simple that I don't know how to say it in my voice without yeah. sounding like I'm I telling I feel like them that's a generational off. thing because like we're so apologetic all the time. Have you noticed that? Like people, I would say between like their late 20s and like mid 30s. You missed me. At least from my experience. From my Hold experience for living in Covington, Washington. Yeah. Uh, everyone is very apologetic all the yeah. time. Because I did call center stuff for a little while. I just did like patient scheduling. And they would call and be like, I'm so sorry. I'm dying and I really need help. I was like, oh, okay. Like, be- they didn't really say that. Yeah, but yeah, they yeah. have like extreme health problems. And they're apologizing to me because they have to Weird. schedule an appointment with a doctor. I'm like, you're the one with a kidney stone. And you're being way too. <laughs> I'm just, I'm so sorry. I don't want to take I didn't mean to bother you. Your place of yeah. work. Were they also from North Dakota? Oh, I'm so sorry. Was that is that a North no, Dakota? No, it's like Minnesota. Missouri? Minnesota. Yeah. That's what I meant. And pause for edit. Is that like from Minnesota? <laughs> no, but they are just all. They're all the younger people. Older people are mean because they're like, I don't want to schedule online. I'll just oh, you do right. it for me. Well, younger people are like literally probably have diseases and they're like i think i have a lump on my tit i'm so sorry i meant breast <laughs> i have a lump on my breast i didn't mean to say tit I, anyway <laughs> i don't understand because i'm old and so i definitely am you not look apologetic younger well that's cool yeah. but i, I don't know not. old is well let's just save that for a later date <laughs>
But, I, uh, I got rid of some of that impulse for the fleeting time that I was actually in a management position oh gosh. and had to deal with other people asking for stuff a lot. And then you learn how to tell people to fuck off without actually saying it. I was a manager of a dairy department. People like, like where's all the milk? And <laughs> 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 you look around, you're like, oh my uh, God, where did it go? <laughs> it's in the fucking fridge. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's Damn, right next like, to the regular fridge. Like, well, this is non-fat milk. I want fat milk. Well, why don't you migrate your eyes a little south and leave me the fuck alone? All right. <laughs> that, that's good. I lasted done. a while at that job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the I like the normal voices is, is scary. That's kind of not you're like it's mean or something. I feel like it's a girl, the woman thing. Yeah, yeah, I think it is partly that. But I do have I have Resting a voice that's voice. very flat. So I'll say things and that it just sounds. Like, I don't mean it. Mm. Even though I can be like, that was really good. <laughs> and, like, that's me meaning something Aww. is really good. But it sounds like I'm going to follow it up with, you know, for an idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I get high before my shows. Because my voice gets lower, lower and more monotoned. And it's funnier. Otherwise, I just sound like a valley girl that just got out of, like, a sorority and just wanted to bitch about all the girls that she lived with. <laughs> so it's... <laughs> that's awesome. Here's a question about process real quick. So how do you make stuff? Like, so comedians, there's lots of different ways to write stand-up. I don't do the way that most people do, or I shouldn't say most people. Some people write it out, work real hard, spend all night writing. They have a scheduled time. They're going to write stand-up. And I just write ideas, and then I fill it in, I feel like. It's just like I just write down general ideas. How, what's your process? I write it on the way to my gigs. <laughs> Really? I'm really, like, I only work good under pressure. That's pretty much it. Like, I'll write ideas on my phone. Like, you know, like, we're Twitter friends. I tweet a lot of stupid shit all the time. And that's... You're like, I'll, remember. But, like, I'll keep that stupid shit in my files for, like, eight months and then be like, oh, shit, I wrote a joke eight months ago. I should probably <laughs> use that. But, like, most of the time, it's like, I have, like, words in my phone. Like, I don't know what I meant by lesbian dogs wearing sweaters, right. but <laughs> I'll think of it later on. I'm already <laughs> laughing. I yeah, like that there you go. Like... And then when I'm at the show, I'll be like, look at my phone, like, you know, like an open mic and be like, where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. I wrote lesbian dogs and sweaters on my phones. Like, and people would just laugh and they'll be like, okay, that word made people laugh. So right, I'll turn right. that into a joke. Like yeah. uh, the birds in the walls. Or mice yeah, in the walls. Birds <laughs> was it birds in the walls? Birds in the walls. <laughs> it was mice in the, in the walls. Let's make it birds in the walls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's like harder to do. <laughs> and also now I feel bad for the birds. Birds in the Walls just sounds like the book it's that sad. Sylvia Plath never got to finish. Oh, yeah. nice. The bell birds jar <laughs> followed by the Birds in the Walls. That does sound like that. And that's the YouTube clip. If I keep doing that, you're going to keep saying clip. that's the YouTube clip. <laughs> none of them are YouTube. And then you're just going to have to put together a compilation of you saying that just and saying, cut the rest YouTube of it clip. out. That's YouTube clip. Yeah, it's the, Okay. Uh, so so you, okay, your process is basically. Write ideas down, kind of like I do too, and then just but revisit them on like my way to my on gigs. On the way to the gigs, <laughs> that's that a way to 40 do it. Forty-minute drive. Sam, how about you? Um, and you do multiple two types of different things too. I know. Yeah, and my process on stuff, obviously, it varies wildly from project to project, and it has changed a lot over time because um, I do such a variety of stuff, um, and I. Like, for the longest time, I had regular, like, a regular improv group. So it was, like, once a week, we get together and we practice no matter what's going on, whether we have something scheduled or not. And now I'm getting back into that, but I'm also working on larger, kind of more complicated projects. And in um, those, do you, are you just sitting down writing and, like... No, even the improv ones. Like, the last improv show my group did at Copious in Ballard, it was called Robot Short Form Battle Restaurant. Love and it. it was a post-apocalyptic future where robots have taken over and this is this restaurant is their like sort of medieval times, but it's like oh, that's so they, good. they found a season one DVD of Whose Line Is It Anyway? And they've based this entire concept off of that. So they have... <laughs> this is how humans this, interact, yeah, right? They, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have their perfectly programmed short-form improv robots that they pit against Ryan teams Styles of like sad like human prisoners. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's like, it's like Running Man, Gladiator, Mad Max, Terminator, everything. So that was a lot... Like, I'll do stuff like that that has a framework 
more and like a setting and sort of an immersive thing going on. Um, and then it's just improvised within that. So that within takes that, a lot yeah. more planning and like some actual like points that you know you're going to hit and then you're playing with that in the middle. So when you do improv, now I have a question for you. Yeah, go home. I'm the co-host now. Please. Um, so when you do like improv shows, like when I did the piggyback show, mm -hmm. um, they were like, okay, tonight's theme, they're going to write a rap song to all your jokes. So I was like, oh, okay, so like you, we try to do material that would be good for that. Yeah. Do you guys know the themes before you get on or do they tell you when you show up? It depends, because a lot, really most of the shows that I do, I'm the one producing them. So oh, I, she's like, I have the power. <laughs> I, I decide everything. Um, but like if I guest in something else that's like a mashup of people together, um, sometimes it'll have a theme or a framework, or it's just oh, like, yeah. I've done things where like established teams just like have someone come in and do stuff with them. Um, but it's it very much, especially in like the indie side of things, like what each group does can be wildly different from right. the next thing. Um, and that's what makes it exciting. I just I, I love the indie side of lots of things when it comes to music or whatever. Yeah, like all the, all the shit I want to do is weird. Like weird. the the love stuff it. I've got right now, which we we call ourselves Big Cult. Um, like the point of it is to only do stuff that you're not gonna see anywhere else like that's the stuff right. we really want to dig into and then it's same on the writing side of things too when I do sketch I almost don't do like traditional sketch comedy anymore one of the last big shows that I did I have one coming up that's all horror themed oh I'm going that sounds amazing Already. October 24th 25th and 26th at Copious in Ballard um, there's going to be so much blood everywhere I'm very excited oh my goodness I'm okay. the audience too no, 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 oh. no. We won't the pun the is audience. that she murders the audience. Oh, <laughs> like earlier. Was it? It killed. Murder. Wait, was it Damon Wayne she, Jr.? Yeah. She's going to kill it that show? night, if you know no, what I mean. I do. No. We oh, we've got three Which days we got to fill. We can't, we can't go killing people. <laughs> um, but one of the last big shows that I did was just, it was a dog show. It was like three people. The dog had to improvise? No, there, this was... This was quote unquote sketch comedy and there were no actual dogs. It was the three of us like acting out the different parts of a dog show on stage and the only dialogue was a single 35 minute audio track of the commentators. Oh my us, so god. And us doing stuff to that and then the like categories of dogs getting like more and more ridiculous okay, as the so show goes on. I know I'm using this for my own gain right now but can I do a show with you at any time soon because sure. they sound very fun. They are very... The next one we have, the next improv one I have coming up, which is September 27th and 28th at Copious, is called um, Seance at the OK Corral, a horror double feature. Oh, it sounds so good. Yeah. Here's the thing. So I think that one thing that I think I might have learned a little bit when what you just said mm -hmm. is that that structure to the improv it, it, again, it floats between sketch and improv. Like, what is sketch, what is improv when it comes yeah. to when you have that structure in place? If there's something that allows us to play around and have fun in an improv moment, but we have the beginning, middle, and end, mm -hmm. I'm on board, right? Like, then I be, feel, like, more comfortable again. Yeah. If it's just, like, a wide-open canvas, I freak the fuck out. If yeah, and it's, it's really... I find the same kind of thing where, like, it's easier to be creative to me if you do give yourself some like parameters to work within when you've got like the possibility of everything yeah. to do at any given moment you tend to go for stuff that's familiar but if you give yourself like a challenge within it like this next show it's pretty highly structured as far as like the beginning and how we get into stuff and how the narrative builds so the challenge is in what we do with that material instead of like building a premise from the ground right, up because right. we've got our premise and we're gonna we'll we'll have like pseudo formed characters that are like people in this town that come and involve themselves and then the audience gives input we take that we build a narrative and then the second half of the show we revisit that same narrative but we take everything that was played for comedy in the first half, like the goofy half of the show, into like genuinely horrifying Scary. stuff. Yeah, that's cool to switch it up like that. 
Um, I love that. I love all the creative stuff you do. And I, w I will say another uh, kudos to what Lisa does is that back to that thought about authentic is like when you talk about anime, which we could have a whole podcast about anime. Well, you already have your own podcast. Have my own anime. anime podcast. What's it called again? Kawaii Five O. Check that out on the internet. Kawaii means cute in Japanese. It's a great play on words. Kawaii Five O. But you, you talking about? <laughs> oh, get <laughs> it? Like, oh. It's a pun. I, I like that show name. I did look you up before the show because I was like, oh, I wonder who this person like, is. And I me. saw the oh. I saw the show name on Twitter. I was like, Kawaii Five O. Yes, very good. <laughs> I'm I like very a good proud pun. of it. I didn't come up with it, but I'm proud of it. <laughs> oh, claim it. Yeah. I take credit for my co-producer's name. You're part of it. Which I'm pretty sure he took from a song. But no podcast called that, so we own it now. You own it. <laughs> and what I what I like is I just like the you know, you are talking about something you definitely love, anime, and you're talking about it a lot. And I love that because <laughs> people can relate to it and it isn't just the traditional you know, stand-up set. Like, there's there's something that's you that's in there, and if people like me or other people watch anime are like, yeah, totally, I get it, then you have a whole new kind of version of why I like the show. I don't just like it because it's funny or you're talking about your sister and leaving or whatever. I'm like, oh, but I also relate to that person, and then there's another level that happens with that. This It can happen with improv and sketch as well, but stand-up, I feel like it's the most um, cut you open and there it is, and I really It's a very dramatic. <laughs> Was that a dramatic so you way? Cut yourself open. You know when you bleed for your art. <laughs> Literally. I have a problem, uh, but yeah, it's just you, and then I think that's a, that's a really cool part of it as well. Yeah, um, but you can only tell so many anime jokes before you've written all of them. Or could or can everyone's you? like, you should write more. I'm like, that's it. <laughs> like that's. I watch it. anime. That's the it. extent of the joke. <laughs> like. You could do it just specific, though, within yeah. specifics. You can do a lot of jokes about eating and being tall and whatever, weed or whatever things. But anime, not so much, because only a very small percentage of your audience will understand them. And they'll really so you have like to write though. jokes broad enough. Yes. <laughs> I'll be like, the ones your kids watch. Uh, <laughs> this Let's talk about This Pokemon. month will just be summarizing episodes of Polar Bear Cafe. Yeah. Uh, last question, and then we're going to do a quick improv, and then this show's over. Uh, is there anything that's universally funny? Universally funny? Self-deprecating jokes. It, my question is, the second part of it is, is it all subjective? Or is there something that, yeah, just like speaks to the human condition? Subjective, uh, I mean, uh, self-deprecating. Everybody wants, well, I was going to say, everybody wants something to be relatable. Like when you come to the show, they want something that they can connect with. So if someone came to my show and they don't connect with anime, I have to write that show broad enough to where they can relate to it, having a niche interest, you know. Right. Or they want you to talk about your parents. I realize that everyone likes parent <laughs> jokes. It doesn't matter what it is. As long as you talk about your parents, people will love it. People don't care if you talk about your kids. I'm like, we don't want to care about your kids. But if you talk about your parents, they're like, I have fucking parents. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about those assholes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it's relatable. So yeah. your answer is good. It's a, it's a connection and it's a relatable thing. Yeah. What would you say, Sam? Oh, that's hard. I want to see the dog show thing now. So do I. <laughs> um, it, uh, actually, the friend who was in the show that I still work with also wants to do again again uh, the format of it is that the end of the show is the beginning of the show so if we do it again we want to just do it twice in a row oh, <laughs> so nice. it'll be twice as long be prepared for that I think what because weirdly you say self-deprecating humor um uh and in there are a lot of times in improv where like that doesn't work and like it works a ton in stand-up definitely because it's people yeah. talking about themselves. I find what enthusiasm, like genuine enthusiasm and commitment will sell anything. Yeah, if you're confident. If someone's just like super into what they're doing and they're just having the best time of their lives, no matter like how stupid, really the stupider the better. The more idiot idea that someone can like push with all the joy in their heart, like the funnier it'll be no matter what it and is. And the confidence and the loudness too. Cause I've seen you like, you know, run on surge and say something so confidently insane but you were so loud. And then loud just leave and again. I love doing left. that. Yeah, I yeah. like to come in and be like, here's something to here's trivia. Here's something. I'm out. Even if people are not doing good, I've seen comedians that are confident and bombed on stage. And I'm like, 
whatever, man, you're being confident. Like, but if you bomb and you start like bawling your eyes out or something on stage, you're going to just ruin the show. Oh, right. But if you're confident and you would, I don't want to see that show, by the way. <laughs> Listen, I'm trying my hardest. I'm doing oh, my best. Oh, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, because then you want to laugh, but you're like, oh, now I can't oh, I all feel laugh. bad if what I laugh the at them yeah. crying. It does take a level of confidence to address your flaws, though. So if you're yeah. bombing on stage and you don't say it, you're bombing on stage, right. people will be like, this person is dumb as shit. They think we're laughing at their jokes and we're not. I, I'm going back to that time when I did it and the light was going. And, and you're like, don't like, worry, no, I'm you understand. Done. Listen, <laughs> I need a lot of time <laughs> to tell my joke. I should have doubled down on that. I feel so... I'm gonna go back in time if, you, if I was hosting that show, I would have been so pissed at you. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sorry about my. Just say you're bombing and move on. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, I, I you think, know what I did though. I think I just. Oh, here's what I did. I didn't finish, and they were like, "Yeah." They were like, "Get the fuck," you know, that kind of thing. Like, because I try to go down the rabbit hole. All six it. of yeah. those people. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Calm down. But also, no, that one was a packed house, actually. That's probably why. They were like, there's another person. But anyways, I said something like, I guess that's all the time that I have, and I'm going to stop talking. And they're like, I think that's funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was just an awkward uh, ending. Uh, uh, I just uh, say, don't worry, I'm almost done. And then you just Yeah, going. that's pretty good. I got to get some notes. I took a lot of notes tonight. Yeah. I think the other thing that always is funny is honesty. When mm. people are, like, really open about... And like really, I guess it's part of the being into a thing, but the more genuine you are, if it is something that's supposed to be like taken from truth, the more honest you are about it, the more people are like going to connect to it. Yeah. And I find that very funny. I, um, and I think that might be where um, like the fun and self-deprecating humor comes from watching that. Because it's that, it's that same like, it takes someone's up, like, it takes oh, this is a thing about me. Yep. <laughs> Like, you're like, I'm not funny. You guys came to the show, though. <laughs> <laughs> you, see, you just said yeah. that. It was, yeah. it was very funny. Like, this That's is great. your problem, not mine. <laughs> you already paid. I'm just here for the free beer. So let's close <laughs> this show out by doing a small little improv thing, um, which is really short, but I just thought it'd be fun. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do, do a, a funny little podcast. I don't know what the podcast is on. We can come up with it right now. But we're all that's, doing that's that little... That's the improv part. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> you're like, Carlos, that's how improv works. But we do it with the quiet voices, the kind of like the, okay, welcome mm-hmm. to the show, yeah. that ASMR. thing. A real sort of Yeah, uh, maybe not NPR. so much ASMR. <laughs> like, a, like an You just N- say like an ASMR. NPR. It's ASMR. Huh? You just say ASMR. Oh, it's, it's an ASMR. A, is it an ASMR podcast? In any, yeah. in any volume, oh, yeah. just yell ASMR. Yeah. I think we, let's put... ASMR! <laughs> I'm supposed to be yes ending this, but I'm gonna no and it. No. Uh, I don't. Else. I don't believe in the blanket rule of yes and. Oh, you don't? Okay, good. Because what? I mean, that gets turned into this instinct to like agree with anything that anyone gives you. You can say no in the context of a scene, and it makes sense. Yes and is about like don't deny the reality that someone else has set up. Right. If they say like they're a horse, don't tell them they're not a horse. If they say they're a horse and they tell you you should ride them, you can say no. Like, no, I don't right. want to ride you. <laughs> this is a very specific... Horse, That's horse how I hit on yeah. every dude. Yeah. I'm a horse. You should ride me. Yeah, yeah. I don't... I think we're going to like. I don't want to ride you, you, horse. Like, that's not Sam, denying Sam, why don't you that. ride us? We're horses. Please ride us, Sam. I don't. My balance is very bad. My hip joints, <laughs> uh, they're gone. The car. Oh, the horses hurt me. I guess, is it different with the guy thing? With the whole... Well, you're not. Su- I mean, part of the hard part is that you're not supposed to sit on the saddle. You're essentially supposed to like hover, hover. above it. That's probably what I was doing wrong. Yeah, because okay, otherwise it's an animal. Oh no, no, I felt it uh, for a while after. Here's the podcast. Let's just do it. We'll do these voices, and here mm-hmm, it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, five, four, three. And hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, today I have with me uh, two guests. Uh, would you introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm uh, Claire. And I make eclairs, and they're called eclair- eclairs. Are they Claire's eclairs? Yes. <laughs> but I just, I put it together, so it's just eclairs. E-clairs. They're very popular on Instagram. Wow, that's great. And who else do we have with us today? My name is Betsy. <laughs> Hi, Betsy. Hi, Betsy. Uh, what do you do for like your, your daytime stuff? I'm a cow. Oh, that's good. <laughs> What kind of cow? I'm a talking cow. The, I, I kind of figured <laughs> that. I get more quieter. Are you a, are you a dairy cow? I am. I'm a dairy Ooh. cow. 
to you are you producing right now? No. Okay. Humans are not supposed to know I talk, so I talk very quietly. Okay. We're talking quietly, too, so it's fine. Should we say you're not a cow? Yeah, no, I'm a cow. So this podcast is about eclairs and cows. (laughs) Might I borrow some cream from you, Betsy? (laughs) Yes, you can have some of my quiet cream. Okay. Um, Here, you keep talking. I'll just get... I clearly don't do improv. <laughs> this is almost over, but I'm waiting for all just, of the milk to come out. I'm just filling up don't this worry, bucket. I'm yeah. done. I myself um, run a bakery, <laughs> so I would like to produce and uh, buy some of your eclairs for my bakery. Wow, okay. this smells great. What do you eat, alfalfa? Yeah. I eat your eclairs. <laughs> That's oh, very specific. So can, it's like the Ouroboros <laughs> of so dairy. I can produce oh more creams for your <laughs> you and eat, I've just you eat cream and you produce cream. Yeah. All of this has happened like before and all of it will happen. I hate to I hate to interrupt, but the FCC mm-hmm. just uh, contacted me <laughs> and they told me that we're definitely canceled and we've done some things wrong. It's something about cow laws. <laughs> So we should uh, probably stop. You invite the a stand-up comedian to be on ancient your broadcast. You invite a stand-up comedian to do improv. This oh, is this is fault. just an idea I came up with. <laughs> like you, I just came up with this idea. And that's it. This is the show. I, I, could, taste I, could, just my, been like, I can taste my imaginary I, eclairs. I, I don't, don't know what eclairs are in the scene. I'm hungry for eclairs. I feel my own udders right now. <laughs> <laughs> They're anime udders. They're so full of They're comedy. anime udders. I'm I do know what that means now. I'm like a cowgirl, but not like a cowboy, but like like a cat girl and, yes. and, and I'm done. <laughs> if I could have that as just the thumbnail for this video, that'd be amazing. Just me with a cow filter on Snapchat or something. We'll do it. We'll do it later. <laughs> uh, Sam and Lisa, I want to thank you for being here. And thank you. Uh, being part of this podcast. And um, where can people see you in the future coming up? On stage. At least you got a bunch of dates. I have a lot of shows coming up, but that's because I'm fleeing the country in like two and a half That's weeks. a whole other. Yeah, that's a whole different. But if you're in <laughs> Seattle. Got a lot of people to kill between them. Yeah, <laughs> I just. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to murder the audience, if you yeah. know what I mean. Uh, this week, I'm in like Bremerton area. I'm in Tacoma on Sunday. But uh, f- as far as like Seattle shows coming up, I do have a show on the 29th at Club Comedy, which will be really awesome. That's on a Thursday. Um, and then I also have a show on the 22nd which has some bar in Seattle. I forgot where it was at. Okay, that's good. I checked my calendar. How about this? Go on my website. It's wisalallen.com, W-I-S-A-L-A-L-L-E-N. It's a mouthful. Um, and that will have all my shows listed on there. But the I internet. will be out of the country for two and a half months. So We'll talk about that after you get back, If how that works. Yeah. Uh, and we'll put all those links in the show notes. Sam, you have a million things too. What's going on? Yeah, I think I, I think I already shoehorned <laughs> in at least five dates. Um, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff. Most of what I work on now is um, under Big Cult, which should be on Facebook at Big Cult Improv. Okay. Um, got that Cowboy Seance show coming up in September. Uh, my horror sketch oh, show in October. Very excited for that one. Yeah. That one's not Big Cult. That's a different one. Um, pretty much everything of mine you can find on the actual Copious website because pretty much everything is there right now, which is copious.art. They have a lot of cool stuff going on Ooh. in the coming months. And actually, the next one I have is August 24th at Copious, which is another big cult show. It's our monthly show called This Improv Writes Itself. And uh, it's like a different sort of open format thing every time. So I don't know what that one's going to look like. Nice. Yet. And then I also, I have a, a noise comedy improv Yeah, I wanted to go to Gargoyle. that. What is that? It's just music and noise and sounds? It is me and the... Best improviser in the world, Graham Downing. And we have two laptops and like one of those button pads. Like a soundboard? Yeah, 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 yeah. one of those <laughs> things. Um, and we, it's essentially like the improv comedy version of like noise music. So it's it. a lot of soundscapes. And then we'll like jump in and do like uh, dialogue narratives and then jump back into just like clashing sounds and like 
things. And we use like those online readers that turn text into voice. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's like goes to late in the morning. It's, it's like one and two in the morning or something, right? Our, I mean, we do a lot of we do a lot of good sets. Um, I think. <laughs> we'll bring it again. We're bringing it back. Uh, I've been with Arsenio, Damon Wayans Jr. But our I'm great. Our prime performance, I think, was during um, the Pocket Theater does a themed improv month every January. And they did this event called Up All Night. And it was constant improv from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. It's crazy. Over the Saturday night. And we claimed a set, and we were like, if we could be at like 3 a.m., that would be great. And no one else wanted to do that time slot because no one else wanted to be awake for it. So they were like, you've got 3.20 to 4.40 a.m. We're like, perfect. That's the best time for noise comedy. So we did, and it actually was. It was like our perfect crowd. A surprising number of people were awake. We did like 20-minute sets, and then we're like, five-minute dance party while I go take a piss, and we'd come back and do another one. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. That's so crazy. Well, thank you for both for being here and talking about comedy. I think we got some good stuff. I took a bunch of notes. Um, you used us for information, basically. That's pretty much <laughs> all I did. Yeah. I wanted to figure this whole thing Joke's out. Joke's on you. Everything I do will be different a month from <laughs> I now. Know. I lied about my process. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm not a cow. Uh, no, but seriously. What? You're not thank a cow? you. No. Damn it. Uh, you can follow us on a lot of things pod on Twitter. You can also go to youtube.com slash a lot of things and see these clips. The, not the clip where I pointed to the camera, and none of those will be on there. But there's only some one funny of those? moments. I did that a couple of times. <laughs> none of that's on here. All right, it's warm. We're done. Bye. Thank you for being here. Bye. You people. Bye. Yep. Bye. Insert extra applause.